I want to begin uh, by asking us a question as we reflect on our 2023 together. Can any of us remember last year or what last year felt like on December 31st, 2022? Can any of us remember what we thought our 2023 as it was beginning, what we were hoping for or what we we're hoping to accomplish or what we're kind of thinking that by the end of this year, by the end of 2023, I expect this to be progressed in my life. I expect this to be upgraded in my life. I, I hope to be at this stage of my life by the end of 2023. And so if you can kind of remember what your hopes were a year ago today, I wonder as we look back on this past year, are we content with any progress that we have made over the last year? When we look at, we'll just say, our academic pursuits, are we content with where we are at compared to a year ago? When we look at our financial situation, are we content? When we look at our vocational, our health, our spirituality, when we look at all of these different areas of our life, do we feel like this full year that has gone by has been used effectively? Do we have any regrets? Do we feel like if I only tried a little bit harder, or if I have only was a little bit more disciplined, or if I only made a different choice at a certain time, I'd be where I would prefer to be today rather than feeling some regret or some remorse after another year has gone by in my life. Do any of us feel like our year could have been better? And do any of us feel that where we find ourselves today is not where we want to be? You know, let me ask even a more kind of like intrusive and a deeper question for us to think about. What if, what if we realized that this was it? That today was the last day of our life. If we realized that this was the very last day that we had, and we look back on just the past year, not, let's not think about our whole life, but let's just think about our past year. If this was our last day and we think of our past year, what kind of feelings and what kind of thoughts, what kind of reflections would come into our minds in terms of how we lived every moment that we had in 2023? You know, when we start looking into our future, into 2024, if we knew that 2024 was going to be then the last year, are there things that we would change about the values or the way that we live our life? So before we move forward and before I introduce today's passage and we get, get into it, uh, I want to take a brief pause right here. And for those of you who are online and those who are on site, I want you to turn to your partner and to really reflect on that question together. If 2024 is going to be the last year of our life, what would you change about the way you live your life? If next year, you knew that next year would be the last year that we had here on earth, is there anything in our life that we would change? And if so, what is that? All right, it's a deep question, I know, but just think about that. And then turn to your partner who are just beside you and just share, you know, what would you change? Would you do anything different in the next year if you knew that that was the last year. All right, you have 30 seconds, go.
Ten seconds left. I know it's, it's, I know it's too early to ask really deep questions like that. In our minds, it's a little bit groggy, it's a little bit foggy from our past uh, kind of like week of celebration, Christmas season. But it's an important question to ask as we look into our next year together, is how I'm living my life and how I've structured the way that I live, is it significant enough for me where if that were to be the last moments, am I satisfied? Am I left without regret? No, there's a passage in the Bible that's familiar with that kind of tone of reflection, that this kind of wanting something more, this kind of feeling of, have I missed out on something because I feel like in whatever means or whatever thought process that I have, it kind of feels like my life that I've lived right now isn't really complete. It feels like some parts are missing. Maybe for some of us, we might think it's a career move, that we just need to upgrade a little bit more, and then we will be satisfied. For some of us, it might be financial. Some of us may be relational. Some of us, it may be health-wise. But all of us, we have this kind of like inner groaning or this kind of inner discontent within us that feels like if only, and then we just fill in the blank, if only just a little bit more of this, if only this worked out better for my life. And scripture, it parallels that groaning to let us know that it is not something that we go through individually. It's not something that we experience just by ourselves and everyone and it's okay. He says the whole world and all of creation itself is experiencing that groaning of incompleteness. Look at what Romans 8, 18 to 19 says. Paul says, I consider our present sufferings not, uh, are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as it is in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. See, what Paul was pointing out there is he was pointing out that there is a problem with creation and with our world and everything that each one of us experience together, and it's this brokenness. This brokenness that is caused by sin that causes us to feel like something's just not right. Something just doesn't feel complete. Something needs to be better, and whatever it is, it doesn't feel like my life is where it needs to be. He calls it as all of creation groans with us. This, as we look in creation, as we look at some of the brokenness that's happening in the world around us, this is what Paul is referring to. The brokenness that is caused by sin. Sin that causes the brokenness that we have in our relationships, in, in our creation, and in, in, in basically who we are. He says all of this is caused by the consequence of sin. And because of this, not only does creation groan for some sort of healing, 
for some sort of completion. He says, we inwardly groan in our spirit. As God's spirit is within us, we long to be completed. And he says our ultimate completion is actually found in an unhindered relationship with Jesus Christ. He says when that relationship, that primary relationship that we have with God is broken, there's this groaning that happens within our spirit that feels like something's not right. And we begin to look at every different avenue to try to fix that. We try to fix it by gaining more and more power or more and more reputation or more and more materialistic things. We try to gain all these things to feel complete. And what Paul says is this this brokenness, this primary brokenness in our connectedness with our Father, being disconnected from him, that's causing us to feel like something's just not right. See, we can see from this passage, the similar tone, how it parallels with some of the inner groanings that we may have been feeling in 2023, that we feel like some things, I wish they were better, and for whatever reason, I couldn't get it to be better. And we look back, and sure, there's some things that we look back on, and we say, yes, I was too lazy, or we admit, yes, I was too unforgiving. Or we say, yes, I was too angry, or yes, I was too greedy, or yes, I was too selfish, or yes, you know, I didn't try hard enough, or whatever it is, we we all understand that whatever dissatisfaction that we're feeling in our life as we look into 20, in our past 2023, it's caused by whatever brokenness that makes us up. And Paul defines that as sin. In today's passage, the main passage I want to focus on today, it actually comes from Mark chapter, one, uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. And it begins to help us to see how we can overcome this kind of obstacle that keeps us away from our primary relationship with Jesus Christ that we need to have, that helps make, bring completion and helps us walk towards that completion. So even every year as it goes by, as we look back, yes, we know that things could be better, but we feel like there's progress. We feel like something is being completed in us so that every year that goes by, it doesn't feel like this chaos year and we look back and we just feel like, I don't know whether I've improved or I don't know if I progressed or I don't know whatever, but we can feel a contentment that has built over the past year that we're able to say, I am more content this year than I am last year. And this is what we see happening in Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. So I want to direct our attention to it. I'll be reading from the NIV. You can follow along on screen. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He got up, took up his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Let's pray. Father, as we again go through your word today, I pray, may you help us clear any obstacle that are, that's in our minds, that is in our hearts, any distraction that may be there that keeps us, Father Lord, from really considering your word, the truth of what you have to say, and how this truth, Father Lord, Maybe the answer that we are looking for, maybe the solution that we need, maybe the remedy to help us, Father Lord, in our life and with the struggles that we have. So I pray, Father, may you reveal this to us by your Spirit. May you convict our hearts in the ways that we need to be convicted. May we just allow ourselves to listen and allow your, your Spirit to bring your truth to us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first point that I want to make here as we look at this is we see, as we look into 2024, and we're trying to figure out how do we raise the ceiling of our faith if our faith has been kind of like stuck at a certain level, and we always just seem to get stuck at that certain level, how do we raise the ceiling of our faith to get to that new space in a new revelation of God in the way that we need to experience him in our life so that we encounter him in a fresh, new, deeper way? Well, we see here through the faith of the paralyzed man and his friends, the main first point that I want to make as we look into 2024 and we look through the series, uh, through this story is we need to learn that there are obstacles in our life, there are challenges, there are hindrances that is keeping us or, or keeping that ceiling low of our faith. And those things, it needs to be cleared. We need to be willing to clear the obstacles to be able to raise the ceiling of our faith. Look at verse 4 and 5. It says that when they arrive, so this paralyzed man and his friends, they have this hope that this Jesus can actually do something about his physical condition. He's paralyzed. He's been trying everything. Nothing is working. He's begging. He's tired of begging for money. And he's hoping, can this man, can this religious figure do something about my physical health? Now, he's not a doctor, a physical doctor. He's a religious figure. 
The same kind of questions that this man has is, it can be paralleled to some, the same kind of questions that we might have when we look at Jesus, saying, how does church or my relationship with Jesus or this whole religious business, how does any of this have anything to do, and if it's for us in our, in our area of health, we might be asking the same thing. If it's a health issue that I'm suffering from, that I feel incomplete in, I should just go to a doctor, find the proper medication, find the proper treatment. I should look for those things. How would Jesus or religious things or reading my Bible or engaging with this God, how will that solve a physical medical condition? Some of us, it may not be a health issue. Some of us, it may be financial. And we're saying, I would rather seek financial advice or from bankers or from accountants or from different um, institutions. I would look there so that I could help find the help that I need to solve my bank account issue that I have. How is reading my Bible, going to church, trying to develop my relationship with Christ, how does that fill my money needs? For some of us, it may, not, it may be relational. And these relationships, we're just all bogged up in. And it's messy, it's complex. And every time we look at it, it really drives us crazy that we deal with these people. These people irritate us so much. They may be people close to us, our family, our friends, our coworkers, whoever they are. And every time we meet them, it drives us in into this kind of like uh, this mental state where it just puts us in a wrong place. And we just feel like, how does Jesus, or going to Jesus, or speaking to him, or approaching him, how does that change this relational dynamic or that person's personality? Yet for whatever reason, this paralyzed man and his friends, they believed that Jesus was the answer to a very physical problem that they were having. See, with whatever issue that we may be struggling with, we need to ask ourselves, do we believe Jesus can be the answer to that particular realistic need? Do we really believe this? Or do we just simply think that our relationship with Jesus is the religious compartment of our life, but everything else, it's separate? There is no crossover. What are the current obstacles that make it inconvenient for us or difficult for us to see Jesus or to go to him. For this paralyzed man, obviously it was his physical condition. It's very inconvenient for him to gather friends who are busy with their own things to ask for that kind of help and knowing that he has nothing to really offer them. He's not rich, he doesn't have much money, He's just hoping that out of the generosity of these people's hearts, that they will have pity on him and four, maybe four of his friends grabbing his mat and walking him to that place. It's very inconvenient. Uh, it shoots down whatever dignity we have left. And for this man, he could have been begging for money instead. He could have been being, he could have been more, um, 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 more fruitful with his time, not by going to a religious ceremony, but to ask people for money instead. So at least at the end of the day, he would have a little bit of money to be able to buy some food. 
How inconvenient was it for him and to overcome that obstacle to ask his friends, can you keep helping me out? Can you help me out? What, it's crowded? Can you still help me out? Can you figure out a way to get me into that place? You know, for a lot of us, we have inconveniences, and they're real inconveniences. They're not small. They're not little. They're not things that um, people will just say, that's not an excuse. They are excuses. They are major issues. Just like this man, he had major issues that anyone would understand why he would blow Jesus off and just say, nope, you know, I don't have time for that or it's impossible for me to even go to him. This man had issues, had obstacles, and they were real. For a lot of us, it's easy for us to look at our obstacles and just think, no, I cannot It just doesn't make sense. I cannot make that room. I cannot make that effort because of, and we have all of these other priorities that we need to meet. Now, let me ask you, for some of us, where would we have drawn the line? You see, for the friends, as soon as they got there, it says that as soon as they (coughs) arrived where Jesus was, He said, they noticed there were such large crowds of people, they couldn't even get into the house. So not let alone into the house and just be part of the crowd, but they couldn't even get in. The whole place was, the whole house was crowded, even on the outside. Now, when you see that, and already you have a handicap that you cannot walk, and you're depending on the grace of other people to help you in. When they saw that, is that where we would draw the line? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. Is that where we would draw the line? And we would say, no. It's just not convenient for me because I tried and I actually showed up, but now the obstacles became greater. We have to think about our own life because, yes, there are going to be obstacles. Whenever we try to approach Jesus as the one, if we believe that there is crossover, if we believe he is Lord overall, even in these very real matters that I'm experiencing right now, And even if I've never experienced his power or his authority in those areas of my life before, um, for some of us, like the paralyzed man, we don't even know if Jesus can do anything about this. Where would we draw the line and just say, hey, I tried my best, but I just couldn't get it. I just couldn't get in. I want us to really think about how this lame man could have come up with so many different excuses to draw the line there. He could have felt like I've inconvenienced my friends enough. And to ask them to now to go take additional steps, it's too much. Like if it was just me, then yes. But now I'm inconveniencing my friends too. And, you know, I I feel so bad and I feel burdened by this. So I'm going to stop here. For a lot of us, we have burdens because of the relationships that are around us. How about the men, uh, the men that were carrying the paralyzed man? They could have determined there was just way too much hassle to try to get through the crowds to even see Jesus. And so they could have even said, hey, let's just draw the line here. It's, there's no point, right? We're never getting into that house. 
And then the men, they could have been timid. And they also could have thought, you know what? Is Jesus even going to give us any attention? Like, when did we ever try to seek him before? Right? When it almost looks like we're just trying to get a hand-me-down or a handout from Jesus. And he kind of probably already knows. So if we ask for this grace, we don't want him to feel like, hey, you're just coming for this thing and then you're going to leave after. So why should I answer your prayer? And for some of us, we carry that kind of guilt too. We feel like we haven't earned any favor with God. So what's the point of me trying to ask him when I know I don't deserve it? See, both the, the paralyzed man and his friends, they refused to stop in spite of the challenges and the obstacles that were before them. In fact, they did everything to find another way to make it work. See, brothers and sisters, as we look into our 2024 and we're trying to raise the faith ceiling of our life, this is what we need to start looking into. Not the status quo that we've been used to in terms of how we try to manage our relationship with Jesus or how we try to maintain it so that it's at least at a certain standard. Instead of maintenance mode, we need to start thinking about this. How do we find another way to make it work so that I have this sight of Jesus, this new revelation of what Jesus can do in my life? Look at the four things that we see. These uh, men doing together to raise their faith ceiling. You see, when we're trying to find another way, the other way, it requires determination. You have to be determined. Despite the obstacle that they face, look at the de determination. They didn't stop there. They said, let's try to find a different way to get into the house. Even though it's not the standard way, we'll find a different way. They stayed determined rather than allowing their circumstance to dictate what they could or could not do. The other way, or finding another way, it requires creativity. Who would have thought, if you can't see Jesus because the crowds are so large around the openings of the door and the windows, who would have thought to climb on the roof and then to dig through the mud roof and then lower, Jesus, uh, lower the uh, paralyzed man to Jesus on a mat? They got really creative to work within the obstacles that they had. Brothers and sisters, we have to think about in the same lines as well. If we're struggling in our relationship with Christ and because of the other things that we're going through or our, our particular situations that we are in, and we can't have this kind of like normative way that most people have in their pursuit of Jesus, let's think of other creative solutions so that we can get there in spite of the obstacles that are around us. Finding another way, it requires an open expectation. What that means is we shouldn't go and just expect, I want this from Jesus and I will only settle for this. We need to be open to whatever Jesus offers and trust him that what he offers is the solution that leads to the healing that we're looking for. Finding another way requires drowning out other negative voices. You know, whenever we try to find another way, you are going to always have naysayers in your own head. You're going to have your own voice that says to you, why are you doing this? Jesus doesn't really care for you. 
If he did, he would have done something already. Why are you doing this? You're, you're not that important. Why are you doing this? It's not going to make a difference. Why are you doing this? You don't have that kind of time. No, you are always going to have these naysayers in our own voices in our head that tells us to stop. Finding another way is drowning out those other voices. Brothers and sisters, I want to challenge each one of us to raise our faith ceiling in 2024 by taking cues from what this paralyzed man and his friends have done. Let's begin to believe that Jesus really is the answer to whatever issue that we may be going through. Let's stop pursuing Jesus. Let's, let's not stop pursuing Jesus when our circumstances are challenging and inconvenient. Let's always try to push to find another way when life puts obstacles in our path that the standard ways of going to him don't work anymore. Now, I want to end with this last point. It's not just up to you to raise your faith ceiling. In fact, the grace that we see in this passage is that Jesus also participates in helping us raise our faith ceiling as well. Not only are we responsible for clearing our own obstacles and our willingness to do that, Jesus clears the main obstacle for us. Notice Jesus' reaction. As soon as he sees these people tear through the roof, lower the, the, man, the paralyzed man to the ground, the first thing as he sees their faith, what does he say? He knew what they were after. He knew they were after, I want to walk again. I want to feel my body again. I want to have that independence again. He knew that was the primary reason why they showed up. And as soon as they lowered him, the very first thing and the solution that Jesus gives to the paralyzed man and to the friends that lowered him, he says this. He looks at them and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. I'm sure that may, may have surprised not only the paralyzed man and his friends because they're saying, we did all of this just for forgiveness of sin. What about the walking? But what we see Jesus address here is that as much as these friends did as much as possible to clear the physical obstacles that were there that kept this man physically away from Jesus, Jesus did what only Jesus could do to clear the main spiritual obstacle that kept this man from experiencing true freedom. Jesus did what only Jesus could do to clear the main spiritual obstacle that kept this man from experiencing true freedom. Jesus cleared the obstacle of the ultimate power consequence of sin. See, brothers and sisters, in, in our life, even if we get money, even if we get that relationship, even if we get the healing that we need, as we learn from the Roman passage as Paul describes, he says, there's still brokenness in all of that. There's still brokenness in our finances. There's still brokenness in our relationships. There's still brokenness in myself. That even though we get what we want or what we're hoping for, 
He says it's still controlled by that brokenness of sin. And so what Jesus addresses is he clears the ultimate power and the consequence authority of sin on this man's life first. He clears that obstacle so that when now Jesus gives a healing later, this man can experience the freedom that comes through that physical healing. He can experience a different way. He can experience a progression in his life. This contentment that even though as he continually lives and he still struggles through life with now his new health, there's this building contentment that develops in his life as he goes closer with Jesus. See, brothers and sisters, without clearing that obstacle and taking away its ultimate power, no matter what Jesus would do for that man would only result in, continued, in a continued curse of brokenness. And I think this is why Jesus first forgives the man's sin and then takes care of his physical need. Brothers and sisters, whenever we go to Jesus, I wonder how, what our expectations are. That sometimes we don't realize, even though finances is my biggest concern right now and we feel like oh my goodness I just don't know how I'm going to survive I just don't know how I'm going to pay the next bills I just don't and there's so much weight of oppressiveness because of our financial situation upon us but when we go to God I wonder how many of us really hear what God really has to say and saying yes that's oppressive but I want you to know that the deeper oppression behind all of that is sin, is your struggle with sin. How many of us give that space and that time in our urgency of our need of saying, God, I need this in my life, but as we sit down, we recognize I need healing first from my own sin. That the sin inside of me, it breaks me. And it leads me to these broken values and these other pursuits. And Jesus says, I need to heal that in your life first. The good news is this. He says, some of us, we may not be ready. And even though when we go to Jesus... We may not be ready to admit that we are sinful or we may not be ready to say that, yes, I want you to help me deal with this. But remember the Romans passage that I gave earlier, what Paul was saying, you know, creation groans, you know, we groan with creation as we long for something to be completed in us. Here's the good news that comes at the end of it. And Paul doesn't want us to miss out on that. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26, the end of this, which Paul adds to make sure that we understand we're not alone. It doesn't just depend on us to be perfect and to do the right thing all the time. Look what he says. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Brothers and sisters, do we see that even when we 
go to God. And, and sometimes when we don't want to go to God, he says, God's spirit within us, he begins to intercede on our behalf. He begins to groan within us, declaring, God, we need, um, Eddie needs your help. See, you're not alone in your prayer. If you feel like I'm never praying or I'm never trying and no one else is praying for me, God's spirit is praying. He's groaning on your behalf to lead you and to break that divide, that curse of sin that's keeping us from the ultimate solution to our deepest problem. See, the Holy Spirit, he prays alongside of us. So with that encouragement, brothers and sisters, let's know as we look into 2024 that this desire to clear the obstacles so that we can raise our faith ceiling is possible. We can pursue it. And we can, we can get there because we're not by ourselves in doing it. God's spirit is with us. So here's two ways that I want to help you clear your obstacles. The first thing, as we do it as a community together, is we're going to try to clear the obstacle of us not spending time or going to Jesus at all in our everyday life. We're going to do a Bible reading challenge together. And I want to challenge you guys to download it. So I'm going to ask uh, Clarissa, it's on, um, if you just turn off the air, um, like on air button, You'll see it uh, come up here. This, uh, you guys have received it in your newsletter, and you guys can download um, this Bible reading. But I crafted it personally for our church, right? So it took me a while, but I crafted it, and I made it super easy, right, so that we can all do it. And we can feel like it's not going to be like a burden. It's going to be really easy. And there's a lot of grace mixed in so that even if we miss one day, it's so easy to catch up. So how it is is first, you know, um, use, the, uh, use the QR code to download Right Now Media because there's going to be a video help that will help you through uh, this exercise. And this, basically, the one, two, three here just gives you a sample of, you know, how to read your Bible. And it, I made it as super simple as possible. And then look at this. So January 1st, which is tomorrow, you're going to be reading uh, Joshua 1 to 2. And then the next day on Tuesday, you're not reading, all right? What you're doing instead is you get to watch a five-minute cartoon video, right? And what this cartoon video is, not just any cartoon video, it's a great help in helping us understand this is how you read your Bible, all right? It's only five minutes, right? Then the next day, you're like, oh, that was so super easy. Then the next day on Wednesday, you go back to Joshua and you read uh, chapters one to five. Right? Then the next day, interlude a video again, and you get to watch a five-minute video that helps you understand the full story of the Bible in just five minutes. All right? And it's cartoon, so it's very easy to get, and it's really well done, and so on. For the first two months, you'll be doing five days a week, but only three days you're actually reading scripture. The other days you're watching this video, then beginning in March, we're going to take the videos out, right, because we're trying to wean you off <laughs> just that easiness, right, and now you're just reading three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, up until the end of March, 
And so by the time we get to the end of March, then we will begin to add a little bit more for those of, who, uh, those of us who have gotten there. All right? We just want to start there. Right? We want to help clear that path to help us get to Jesus a little bit more in our everyday. And the last thing that I want to uh, encourage you guys to do is as we end off 2023 together and we begin 2024, what better way to do it through worship and prayer? So tonight, even though we had worship service Sunday morning, tonight at 11.30 to 12 a.m., we're just going to have a time over Zoom to worship together and to pray together as we pray and we offer up our 2023 to God and saying, Lord, it's in your hands. Do the healing that you need to do. Right? Do the blessing that you need to do. But we want to commit now, 2024, in the very first few seconds of 2024, we want to commit it in prayer. And we want the stamp of your Holy Spirit on that new year for us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for blessing us with this time. And I thank you, Father, for just a reminder of your grace, your love, your relevance your power, your presence in our life. Help us, Father, Lord. Help us, Father, to draw closer to you. Help us, Father, Lord, to find another way to be creative and bring assurance with us that in our alone times that we're not just by ourselves praying, but you are right there with us, groaning through your spirit, interceding, on behalf of each one of us. So Lord, as we lift up our 2023 and we look forward to our 2024, bless us, Father Lord. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forever. Amen.